How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Tomorrow night, of course, we got the NBA draft. You can hear our coverage. We're going to be live from American Airlines Arena starting at 7. And Chad Ford, ESPN NBA insider, uh, he's, he's our draft draft expert, okay? He's in, in knee-deep in the draft every single year, okay? He joins us in the Orion Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest line, truly steps beyond convenience. Uh, Chad, the first thing I want to ask you about here, okay, we, we know that the big move was Philadelphia moving into the number one pick. And while I know I can think off the top of my head a couple of times in the last 15, 20 years where the rights to the number one overall pick has been traded, but man, it feels like forever since the team actually traded for the number one overall pick. Am I right about that? Yeah, and you know, there's been speculation about it every year that I've been covering the draft, but I've never seen it happen. Um, and uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins was was the closest of a guy being traded um, in the summer before he ever played a game uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, to Minnesota in the Kevin Love deal. Um, so that just happened a couple of years ago, but never before the draft and uh, not, not in the last uh, 15 years. And so uh, <laughs> this was really intriguing, but it makes so much sense for both teams that, you know, Philadelphia was heartbroken on lottery night that they slipped the, that they slipped the three. Um, they knew that um, the guy that they really felt was the perfect fit for their franchise was Markel Fultz. They didn't necessarily look at the other guards and see the same fit. And they did what they had to do. They had extra assets. They did what they had to do to get that guy. And, and, and I think it was a good move for them. They needed a guy like Fultz to balance out what they had done with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. He's the perfect sort of guard for them because he can play on or off the ball. He can defend multiple positions. He can stretch the floor. Um, he's comfortable attacking the basket or spotting up for threes. And it really allowed them to do what they wanted to do with Ben Simmons, which is put the ball in his hands and let him do what he's great at, which is pass the ball and create off the dribble. So now they've got their people in place. And yes, they had to give up a future asset, but who knows what that future asset would have turned out to be. The guy that they wanted was sitting right there in front of them and they moved up and got it. You just mentioned some of the positive aspects of Fultz's game, and most of us have never actually really seen him play. We're just pretending to know anything about this kid. I assume you actually do know what you're talking about in this spot. So explain to me why we shouldn't be concerned that the number one draft pick was on a team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament, because it's hard for me to imagine an all-star caliber, you know, Hall of Fame franchise player on a team not at least making the tournament because of his presence alone. Because basketball is a five-on-five sport and not a one-on-five sport, and Markel Fultz was playing one-on-five virtually every night for Washington. I mean, not not only did they not have any NBA prospects on Washington, I don't think they had any players on Washington that were ever going to play pro ball anywhere in the D League or anywhere else, right? So, especially as a point guard creator, he had get a challenge every night. One, defenses could 100% key in on Markel Fultz. Nobody else on this Washington team was going to beat you. Um, two, I think Fultz has a, has a mindset as a distributor and a facilitator 
And what would happen most nights is he'd play the first half really trying to get other guys involved, trying to get them shots and looks. And when that was failing, then he'd try to take over the game and at, the, at the end of the game. But it was really him trying to take over the game. I think if you actually look at his statistical production and his efficiency as a player, it's pretty remarkable considering that he was double and triple teamed all the time um, at Washington and still put up those numbers. And I think scouts were looking at that. Here's a guy that every game the team can just game plan for him. That the, the, the marching orders for every team is shut down Markel Fultz. He still averages 23 points a game. He still shoots 43% uh, um, from three. His turnovers are low. Um, his assists are high considering he had no one to pass the ball to. Just imagine what he would have done at Kentucky um, or Kansas. And I think the answer is he would have won a lot more than eight games, and this would have been completely shut down as a, as a, as a, as a line of thinking about whether he should or shouldn't be the number one pick in the draft. We'll talk with Chad Ford, ESPN NBA Draft Insider. So what teams are leaning on their number ones to go ahead and make that difference this year? What teams are what? What teams are leaning on expecting their first-round picks to go ahead and make that difference as opposed to a grooming period? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's – it's become increasingly clear in the league that as much as we can get excited about the draft, that it really takes two to three years for these prospects to really start to affect the win losses of a franchise. Look how great Carl Anthony Towns was as a rookie, and he wasn't necessarily going to move the needle at all as far as wins and losses for Minnesota. We thought even as a sophomore, okay, Carl Towns will do it this year. And the answer has been sort of, nah, look how great Anthony Davis has been. Uh, for New Orleans, and still uh, the struggle to move the needle, in part because these guys go to bad teams that don't have a lot of talent around them, and in part it's because as good as they are, there's a big jump from college to the pros, and they're going to be inefficient. Even Kevin Durant was, was put up decent numbers as a, as a rookie, but was very inefficient, had one of the worst plus minuses um, in the league uh, as a rookie. It takes, it takes time, and so I think when all these teams look at okay, we got to lean on a guy. Um, it's not about winning. It's about developing. And, and I think whether that's Lonzo Ball that we're talking about or Josh Jackson out of Kansas or Jason Tatum out of Duke, every single one of these guys needs to come in with the expectation of they're not going to be very good, um, at least as far as wins and losses go um, in the next year or two. Um, but give them a few years and let's see what develops. And I, I think it's always the long game. Uh, with the NBA draft, and that's why I think teams make mistakes when they try to go ahead and draft a senior or someone higher in the draft and say, well, he can help us now. The answer typically is not really. Even seniors have to make the jump from college to the pros, and in two or three years, those freshmen will have lapped them um, in their production. And so I, I, I think you draft upside. So what have you noticed then covering the draft? What have you noticed about like the, dimish, the diminishing evolutionary areas of basketball? And in football, it's been the offensive line play. That's the one criticism that, that making that jump from college to NFL, that's what's been getting a lot of, a lot of flack. What have you noticed in covering the NBA draft is, is totally diminishing in the game of basketball for these young guys going to the next level? Well, I, I think it's, everybody will tell you it's the speed and the quickness of, 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 the, of the athletes and the strength of the athletes. You know, you, you've got kids in the NBA coming in at 18, 19 years old, and they're just not physically developed. And just, just watch an NBA game and look at most of these players out there and look at not just the athleticism but the strength um, that they br bring plus the speed. Most of these kids just have biologically not matured 
um, to the point to really compete with that every night. And it becomes really overwhelming um, for them uh, to, to, to make that transition. And I, and I just think the game is so much quicker um, and the scouting is so much better. And so in, in college, you know, uh, you had go-to moves that you could pretty much beat somebody with every night. In the NBA, after you play your first game, the scouting reports out what you like to do, and most of the defenders in the NBA are capable of taking that away from you uh, every night. And then, and then what's, what's your next move? And what's your counter move after that? And it can take two or three years to develop three or four moves where defenses can't take away everything from you. Chad, let me ask you about the Heat here, okay? We're obviously interested. The Heat are selected number 14 overall. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I know the guys at the top of the draft here, but then some of the guys toward the bottom of the lottery, we don't really know a ton about. That's where you step in here. So I, I, I hear names like, you know, the kid from Duke, Luke Kennard, could be there, or, or someone like John Collins or Donovan Mitchell. I don't know a ton about those last two guys. Like, is there someone who could be available at number 14 to Miami that we can get excited about? Yeah, there's, there's two guys that I would get excited about um, if they were there. And the only reason they're there is because of the injuries that they experienced, whether in college or high school. One is Harry Giles out of Duke. There was a number of NBA scouts that told me before the start of his senior year of high school that he was the best high school prospect since LeBron James, uh, that he was a Kevin Garnett-esque big man with a great motor, great athleticism, um, can do just about everything on the court, he tore his ACL for the second time his senior year. It was on a, on, a, on a new knee, so now he torn it in both knees. He got to Duke, wasn't completely healed, had to go in for surgery right before the season started with Duke. Never really got in the rotation, never got healthy and comfortable, I think, playing on that knee again. And, and you know, a lot of scouts wrote him off. But when you look at the talent and you also look at the trajectory of guys that tear their ACLs, it, it's, it's not year one that they're back to normal. It's really in year two that they're back to normal. And some of that is the psychology of playing on a knee that you've already, already injured and you, and you hold back a little bit. But players typically get over that. And these ACL surgeries typically will hold uh, over time, especially when you get training. And I've just heard from scouts in the last couple of weeks that have watched Terry Giles in workouts say that the explosiveness is coming back, the aggressiveness is coming back, even just the difference between February and March and now June, they're seeing leaps and bounds of him getting stronger, more athletic, and better again. And I, I think it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that he might be the best player in this draft, and he could be sitting there for the heat at 14 because other teams were concerned uh, about his injuries. And, and if, if I'm the heat at 14, I think the reward way, way outweighs the risk um, at this point. And, and, you know, the worst-case scenario is that he has, he's Greg Oden and he has more knee problems, but I don't think there's a guy that you passed on at 14 that is going to make you regret um, that gamble. And the other guy is O.G. Ananobi, who tore his ACL uh, in, um, in January, a, a prototypical 3-and-D guy, great athlete, strong, can shoot the three, can defend four positions on the floor, has a 7-2 wingspan, can play the four or three offensively uh, in the NBA. And again, I think he was a top 10 pick had he not torn his ACL. He's going to recover. He'll be back in January. And I think he's just another long-term pick um, that the Heat should seriously consider. Finally here, Chad. Chad Ford, uh, ESPN NBA Draft Insider. Do we believe Boston when they say that they think that they can get the guy at number three that they would have taken at number one? 
I, I disagree with them, but but they're scouting. I, I believe them. Uh, they, they've felt that way for a while. They've actually been consistent with me all year that they didn't think there was a consensus number one, and there was four guys that they really liked um, in this draft. And that, you know that's just a difference in a scouting opinion, and and some of it's a difference in what guys fit with our system, right? So a guy that maybe overall you don't rank as high, maybe he looks much better um, in the Celtics system. And I think that's where Josh Jackson comes in. And he's a Celtics-type player all the way. And the way he approaches the game, on his skill set, on the way they like their players to play. And so I think they look at Josh Jackson and they say, hey, that guy could be just as good for us as Markel Fultz because of the way we like to play and what we value in players. And I think he means it when he says it. What are the chances the Lakers do not take Lonzo Ball tomorrow night? I, I think the only way they don't take Lonzo Ball is if they, for some reason, trade this pick and they either trade it to Indiana to try to get Paul George or they trade it and try to get multiple assets to a team like Sacramento to maybe get 5-10. and 10. If they stay at 2, I believe at this point it's, it's Lonzo Ball. And, and I think that's the most likely scenario, by the way, is that they keep the pick. They take Lonzo Ball. They try to figure out something else for Paul George. We know you're very busy this week, Chad. We appreciate you stopping by with us. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. That's Chad Ford right there, ESPN NBA Draft Insider. feel like you learn a thing or two about uh, what – I mean, like, I, I don't know the kids that he talked about with the Heat, but I do kind of like the idea of, uh, hey, look, number 14 overall, you're not getting a star. Maybe you take a little bit of a gamble. Yeah. I mean, I thought he had some pretty good things to say about Harry Giles from Duke. He got me a little excited. I'm a little nervous. Two ACLs. The only one I know about that is Frank Gore. And obviously that guy's having an NFL Hall of Fame career. But two ACLs, not getting back into the mix. That's a little nerve-wracking. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.